Lecture Notes, The Medieval Period, Maimonides. Maimonides was the most important philosopher in Jewish history. Maimonides is actually his Latinized name. He's often known as Moses, a reference to his name, Rabbi Moses ben Maimun. He lived in Cordoba, Spain, the most intellectually stimulating city in the medieval world, at the end of the golden age of Jewish culture in Spain. By the time Maimonides was born, the territory was actually taken over by the Almohads, a conservative branch of Islam. It's important to know this because unlike other strains of Islam, the Almohads were actually unusually intolerant of other religious traditions, and so there's some thought that Maimonides and his family would have had to pretend to be Muslim while living under Almohad rule in Spain. Regardless, no doubt because of Jewish oppression under the Almohad regime, Maimonides and his family eventually moved to Morocco. Two points I want to emphasize as an aside. One, although modern Western conceptions of Islam tend to assume that all forms of Islam are intolerant of this way, I want to emphasize again how genuinely unusual the Almohads were in this respect. In almost all other contexts in the Middle East during the Middle Ages, religious difference was tolerated and Muslims, Christians, and Jews were able to coexist quite peacefully. Two, it's a disputed point that Maimonides and his family lived um, as Muslims or pretended to be Muslims. Some scholars argue that only Muslim scholars wrote about Maimonides living as a Muslim, and so that's inconclusive report evidence. Maimonides' father was a legal scholar, and perhaps in part because of this influence, Maimonides was writing commentaries on law even in his young adulthood, and his commentaries became the standard by which all other texts were measured. Probably his most famous commentary on Jewish law is his book, The Mishnah Torah. The title means Second Law. The idea was that the second law would provide guidance if you were uncertain how to apply or follow the original law. Just like today, we might consult a lawyer or legal commentary when trying to decide what US law requires in a given situation. Furthermore, as was true of Avicenna, Maimonides also made contributions to medical science. He analyzed many conditions such as asthma, diabetes, and pneumonia, and consolidated Greek and Arabic medical knowledge. For our purposes, however, I want to focus mostly on Maimonides' major philosophical work, Guide for the Perplexed. The title makes it sound like a self-help book, like, confused about what you're supposed to do with your life? Turn to Maimonides! But that isn't really what it is. Rather, the book is written for someone who is perplexed about philosophy and religion. Maimonides is, of course, writing it to a Jewish audience, but the lesson can be generalized for other monotheistic religious traditions as well. Again. Think about the overwhelming theme we've seen in this unit on medieval philosophy, that of receiving Greek philosophical texts that seem so interesting and compelling and right, and then trying to reconcile those texts with the doctrines of one religions. For example, I'm quoting, devout Jews who are also students of philosophy learn from philosophical arguments certain truths that look incompatible with scripture. In particular, they learn that God has no body and is utterly transcendent, completely unlike his creation by being simple and perfect in every way. Well might they be perplexed when they turn to their Bible and find it saying that God has a face or a back or gets angry or sits upon a throne. It's from Peter Adamson's book um, on Islamic philosophy. Maimonides' Guide for the, for the Perplexed aims to address this kind of perplexity the perplexity of someone who loves philosophy and the works of the philosophers, but also loves their religious tradition and believes the teachings of that tradition and is wondering how to reconcile the two. So what does Maimonides recommend? He suggests a threefold approach. First of all, 
He says, some positive claims, i.e. claims that give content, not positive as in like, yay, so happy, are actually secretly negations. So for example, uh, take the positive claim in the Hebrew Bible that God is all knowing. Maimonides says really what this is saying is a negation. God is not ignorant. You might be thinking, aren't these exactly the same? No, says Maimonides, because the first claim puts God at a human level by attributing a human trait, knowledge, to God. But the second, more skeptical claim leaves open that God and God's knowledge could be totally unlike the thing that we humans call knowledge. God is too transcendent. These human properties can't apply to him. Okay, second strategy. Some claims in the Hebrew Bible are actually statements about God's creation, not God. For example, if we quote, say that God is providential, what we mean is that the world is well-ordered and well-designed. If we say that God is angry, what we mean is that things are happening here in the created world that are unfriendly to us, end quote. And again, this is from Peter Adamson. Three, last of all, some claims about God should be interpreted allegorically, Maimonides says. For instance, God doesn't literally sit on a throne. That's just an allegory or a symbol designed to communicate that God is the ruler above all. In the previous module, we saw how Aquinas tried to reconcile Aristotelianism and his faith. So this then is how Maimonides tries to reconcile Aristotelianism and Judaism. Notice that Maimonides' approach relies much more heavily on the transcendence of God than does Aquinas. Transcendence, by the way, refers generally to things or beings beyond ordinary experience, or more strongly, beyond human experience entirely. So you might call a stunningly beautiful piece of music that moves you to tears transcendent. God is also clearly transcendent, but even so, some theology emphasizes the transcendence and difference of God more than others. The opposite of transcendence is imminence, and imminence about God means that God is present within the physical world and or able to be very grasped by human reason. The Christian idea that God lived in the person of Jesus Christ is, we could say, an expression of God's imminence. So while Aquinas seemed confident that reason could fully integrate Christian theology and Aristotelian philosophy, Maimonides was more hesitant about the capacity of human reason to encompass the divine. As you'll have noticed by now, I'm very reliant on Peter Adamson when it comes to medieval philosophy and especially Islamic medieval philosophy. And by Islamic, I just mean philosophy in the Islamic world. But he summarizes this point beautiful, beautifully. So I'll leave you with an encapsulation of Maimonides on faith and philosophy in his words. Maimonides sought carefully to determine not only the truths accessible to reason, but also the line beyond which reason cannot pass. It would be wrong to demand that the world or its creator should be fully intelligible to us, and wrong to expect ourselves to understand everything. <laughs>